is The Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV show, The Walking Dead. Hi, everyone. My name is Chris. And my name is Jason. And this is The Talking Dead, number 438, recorded on Thursday, July the 4th, 2019. Happy Independence Day, all of our U.S. listeners. Yeah, I don't want to get into a debate of when they take their holiday, because I think it's today. So, happy Independence Day. Yep. Good times. All right. Well... Welcome to the program, everybody. We are here, of course, to talk about the latest episode of Fear the Walking Dead, but there's something else we have to talk about first yeah. that is that is uh, of utmost importance to us, to Walking Dead fans, to the whole Walking Dead universe. And uh, I didn't want to let this wait until, you know, we had a, a hiatus episode because that wouldn't make any sense. But, no. So we, so we got to do it now. And that is... That the Walking Dead comic has come to an end. Yeah, you texted me, what, yesterday? Day before. Day before yesterday. Uh, the Tuesday, a couple days ago, yep. Yeah, that uh, with one day notice, one day's notice, they, they're just, that's it, it's over. That is what has happened. So, you know, the ongoing, never-ending apocalypse comic written by Robert Kirkman has come Who to a... Who said he would do this for ever? Basically, he said... You know, his quote was always, you watch a, a zombie movie and at the end they get into the helicopter and fly away and it's over or whatever. He wanted to do something that never ended, that kept going. Now, yeah. we all know that it would have to come to an end someday, but they've kind of gone the with the most shocking way of doing it imaginable, really. Are uh, you talking about how the, the story ends? No. Or are you talking about uh, Robert Kirkman just going, fuck it, I'm done. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about, Robert Kirkman's decision. So here's what happened. Everyone's sitting around uh, on Tuesday going, hey, cool, the new Walking Dead comic comes out tomorrow. I should go to my local comic shop and, and pick that up. And uh, probably not thinking too much of it. And then all of a sudden, word comes out from Kirkman himself that issue number 193 would be the last one. So... It would be released yesterday at this point, June the 3rd, and that's it. That's the last Walking Dead comic. He gave the word, or he gave the notice to everyone, one day before the release date. And it it managed to be a huge surprise for everyone. It actually was shocking. Nobody saw this coming. Uh, unless you, you know, are in the skybound inner circle and kind of knew what their plans were. Yeah. It, it is very shocking. It, what, what, what's the issue number? What's the last issue number? 193. That seems, come on, you couldn't do it for another seven months. And get to 200? Get to 200 and just say, just call it quits at 200. Well, I, I guess not. Um, Kirkman released a, a lengthy statement about it, which was printed actually in the back of the issue. And I, I didn't have time to read it because I, I read the final issue late last night. I was tired. I sort of skimmed over it. But he talks about, you know, the not having enough story for sort of where he was going with the current plot line. Oh, I, I, I need to read it again so I can really understand it. But I think he got to a point where he's like, you know what? I've kind of told the story I wanted to. I've said everything I want to say. So there's no point in dragging it out for no reason just to hit a number. Let's end it. 
when I want to end it. And they chose number 193. Well, all right then. What I think is one of the most shocking things is that they did, in fact, manage to keep it a secret. Uh, They even went as far as releasing sort of fake covers for future episodes. And he said this was so they could keep the the comic listed with distributors. Like, here are the covers for the next five issues, right? So keep them in your catalogs. These are coming. Oh, so they were lying to everybody. They were. They they kept... Oh, that's just shitty. Well, not really. I mean, they they didn't want anyone to see this coming. So they went about their normal business, basically, and and just as if everything was fine. And then suddenly, dun-dun-dun, last episode drops, day before, everyone loses their mind. And to be honest... I wish they'd do this kind of thing with the show a little bit more often instead of, uh, you know, releasing information about crossovers and new characters and who's leaving and this and that. It's probably harder with a TV show because there's so many more people involved. But I think take the comic model if they can and keep things secret and surprise us a little bit more. It'd be nice. Well, I think, yeah, if you, if you can. Like you say, it's, there's a lot more people involved. And sure. the only way to get uh, three people to keep a secret is to kill two of them. <laughs> right. And let's hope they don't start murdering people to keep secrets. That's not cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I've read it. Uh, I was about 20 issues behind last, uh, the night before yesterday or the day before yesterday. So I read as many as I could on Tuesday evening, picked up the new issue on Wednesday and read the rest of them and the final one last night finishing it. I figured, I, you know, I, I think I said on here, I'd stopped reading because I didn't want the comic to continue uh, spoiling the show for me. But I decided now that there's an ending, I might as well just read it. And honestly, I couldn't not do it. I needed to know where it went, how it ended. And, um, you know, I just couldn't stop myself from doing it. So I've read it. And I'm not going to say anything really here about it because I would never want to spoil this for anyone if you if you're thinking of starting to read it from the beginning or if you're just not quite done yet you need to read this on your own but I thought it was great I thought it was really really fantastic a very good finish to the series which really really made me happy so um well I don't know what happens no and uh, I don't want you to spoil it but I'm telling you that uh, after we stop recording this podcast, you're going to tell me what happens. <laughs> Am I? I, I yeah. was going to ask you, the last issue you read was number 100. So do you have any 100. interest in reading the next 93 and just experiencing it for yourself? <sighs> I mean, no. Well, yes, but I, that does, uh, I don't think it's, I don't think being spoiled on the ending is going to ruin it for me. If I ever get around to reading the, the next 93 issues. Sure. It's it's about the journey, not the destination for you. Yeah, it's about the journey, not the destination. And uh, I probably have to start the whole damn thing over because I've pretty much erased my memory of uh, what's going on. I'd be, I'd be like re- reading issue uh, 101 going, where the fuck is Daryl? Like, what the hell is Daryl doing? <laughs> <laughs> you know? What's, how, come, how come we haven't seen Glenn in a while? <laughs> <laughs> well, that one I know. Yeah, <laughs> that one, that one I understand. Uh, but uh, so, yeah, it would be uh, it'd be a little confusing for me. So I'd have I'd probably have to start the whole thing over. All right. Well, if you want me to tell you off the air, I'm happy to do yeah. that. But I'm not going to mention it here, uh, other than just say, like I, as I said, I, I really enjoyed it. The ending 
kind of got to me a little bit. Um, probably if you know me for some obvious reasons. Um, but the way it, the way the book got through the final uh, chapter, basically, I thought it was really unexpected. At first, I kind of thought it was a little unusual, but it sort of makes a lot of sense to me after I've been thinking about it for a day. So I, I think Kirkman nailed it. I think he really, really nailed an excellent ending to this never-ending comic series, which makes me very, very happy. So Yeah, it makes me think of that Meatloaf song, yeah, uh, Paradise by the Dashboard Light. Yeah. Uh, he said that he would love you. Uh, I would love you till the end of time. Mm-hmm. Now I'm praying for the end of time. It's, it's, uh, you know, he said I, he would write this comic book forever. It's like, well, when the fuck is forever going to get here? <laughs> How about 193? That, screw it. It's forever. That's forever. Done. Done. Yeah. All right. Well, the Walking Dead comic is done. How this impacts the TV show, we will have to wait and see. Oh, probably not at all. No, you're right. I'm sure it's very little, uh, partly because, well, Kirkman said, I think maybe in that letter he put out, he said that this has was planned some time ago. He decided at some point, you know, months ago that he well, was yeah, going to and, work to this point. Yeah. And then, and you know, he had his, uh, uh, had the staff coming up with uh, plausible lies for their distributors. I hope that, that they have to pay the distributors some money. Right. Like I hope there's some kind of contractual obligation for, you know, if they were giving them uh, covers for issues that would never happen and all of a sudden they're never going to happen. I, I just hope the distributors are not pissed. And the only way they they wouldn't be pissed is if they get some kind of financial compensation. Well, maybe. I, I, I wonder if it's, you know, the dis- the distributors probably aren't that upset. I mean, they distribute lots of comics, right? I'm sure Image Comics is not loving this. It's got to be one of their biggest sellers and now it's going away. So, you know, I guess they're still working with Robert Kirkman on some other things, but I would think Image is rather disappointed or they were when they heard the original uh, plan to quit maybe, but I don't know. I don't know for sure. Well, if someone was handing you a bag of cash every month for the last uh, however many years and all of a sudden they're like, yeah, no more cash. I was going to buy a boat. <laughs> That's right. I had it all lined up and everything. Yeah, I was looking at brochures for a boat. Where's my boat? Now I don't get a bag of cash to buy my boat. Putting, I'd be a little bit annoyed. Yeah. <laughs> I was putting in a pool. But not anymore. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so anyways, that's that, everybody. The Walking Dead comic is done. Now all we have is the TV show, the video games, the novels, the action figures, the novelty beer anything you can imagine yeah and uh obstacle courses uh rides <laughs> that's uh, right contests, arcade games action, yeah pinball machines okay. uh, probably <laughs> oh I i've seen know. them i've seen oh, them. have you yeah lucky that's right and the walking dead tv universe is continuing to grow so we lose a comic but we gain a tv show yeah as long as kirkman's not really in charge of the tv shows we're fine. Right, right, right. Because he's a notorious liar. He even lied to their distributors. I'm still pissed at him for lying. Damn. <laughs> Poor Kirkman. Guy gets no love. Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, um, if you have any thoughts on The Walking Dead comic coming into an end or, or the last issue, you you can send them in to us. Um, I don't know what we'll do with them. I I guess if I, if I tell Jason that what the end we'll is. Them. Yeah, we'll read them. I still don't want to really talk about it on the air here. No, unless of course we, not. Unless we do like a... A spoiler comic that de- or comic end you know segment or something like that we'll i'll think about it but over the next 
little while while we're doing the, recording this episode? Uh, uh, well, it's not going to be this episode, but someday in the future. So. Oh, I see. Okay. All right. Uh, okay, let's move on to Season 5, Episode 5 of Fear the Walking Dead. The End of Everything. Thank you, Lee. We are indeed doing title reads. People don't tend to send them in very much for Fear the Walking Dead, but I also don't no. really request them. So uh, thank you for doing that. So the title of this episode is The End of Everything, which I think is kind of funny how fitting it feels right now since the comic just ended for good. <laughs> Maybe the title wasn't for this episode. It was for the actual comic. And they mixed them up, yeah. <laughs> well, not that they mixed them up. It's just, it's kind of a cross Easter egg. Sure. Maybe a little bit. But as we said, really, it's, you know, even though the comic is ending, it feels like The Walking Dead is so much more than just the comic series now. And it is. So not, you know, this is the end of something, but not the end of everything. It's so, the end of some things. It's the, not the end of other things. Yeah. Okay. That's, that's right. That's what it is what it is right so this episode got 1.71 million viewers which is up a little bit not too bad actually um and that also is what it is you know it's hovering right around that amount uh now we have on our hands here this week jason a bottle episode we do it's all about al really doesn't feature too many other of the regular characters and although they do move around a little bit, it, you know, arguably takes place in more or less the same location. So checks all the boxes for bottle episodes. Yep. I didn't, uh, I didn't even clue in on that until you mentioned it. Really? You're, you're, I've seen the episode twice. You're barely paying attention anymore. Oh, well, I was paying attention. I just don't <laughs> think of, I guess I don't, don't think of that. All right. Well, this, this episode focused on where Al has been. As we know, all the rest of the characters have been searching for her, and now we know. Uh, and it starts out basically right after Al was captured or taken by the mystery person in the armor. Yeah, uh, tasered in the rain. It's still and raining. dragged through the mud. Yeah. Can you taser someone in the rain? I don't know. I mean, does the taser have a larger effect because you're wet and electricity travels through water really well? Well, your body's pretty much made of water, so I don't think it makes much of a difference. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. Uh, anyways, it's still raining. Uh, Al wakes up. She tries to escape. And essentially, this new character, who we might as well start calling by her name, it's Isabel, uh, mm -hmm. as, as we knew. And so we're going to- See, gonna... now I've named my, uh, my son after somebody on the show. Now you've named uh, your daughter after somebody on the show. Or the show named someone after my daughter. <laughs> yeah. Either way. Well, and Axel. No, it was Jasper. Was it Jasper or Axel? His name was Axel, but you called him Jasper. I called him Jasper. I thought maybe it was the other way around there for a second. Okay, got it. No, I know. It's hard to keep track. Yeah. Um, but this whole cold open of Al waking up in the mud, escaping for a minute, Isabel recaptures her. Um, I really enjoyed the cold open. I thought it had kind of a horror movie vibe to it, you know? It was frantic. It was dark and scary and it was raining and we had one character like chasing or maybe hunting another one uh, mm -hmm. briefly. There was one shot where Al's running straight at the camera, which I thought felt kind of, it, it made me feel uneasy, which you want a horror movie to do. So I, I thought that, this was a great cold open. Jumped out at jumped out at me. Did it? In a good way or a bad way? It seemed kind of studentish to me. I could just, I could just hear the director saying, and action, and her running at the camera. 
Interesting. Well, this this episode was um, uh, directed by, I think, Michael E. Satrazimus, who is a very well-known and experienced Walking Dead director. So, Well, it was probably on purpose. It just, that particular shot did jump out at me. Interesting. Well, it jumped out at me too, but I liked it. And I was like, ooh, makes me feel funny. This is a good cold open. (laughs) (laughs) That makes me feel funny. Yeah, that's right. But in a good way. That's right. Exactly. So, so I liked it. I liked, I thought this episode got off to a, a great start and I was all on board. I was curious about Isabel, curious about where Al has been and they, they hooked me right from the beginning. Um, and basically the whole thing plays out, uh, with Al and Isabel being forced to reluctantly work together and, at the same time, or by the end of it, kind of learning a thing or two each other and about the, the bigger world, I think. Yeah. So I, overall, I really like this episode, actually. That's great. That's great. Me too. What I'm, what I'm trying okay. to say here is that uh, I liked this one a lot. I think it had way more good than bad in it. Um, yeah. I mean, that one shot was probably the only, uh, one of the only two bad things. Well, not bad, but things that jumped out at me that seemed a little... Unfortunate. Are we going to have a nitpick picnic on this episode? Not not particularly. It's just this one thing and the uh, rock climbing zombies. We have another uh, genre or style of zombie. Right, 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 that right. Was it. Okay, well, we'll get to that. I'm, I'm going to start here with an email from Amy in Indy. And Amy says, I love everything about this episode. I haven't connected with an episode this much since Clear. I think part of my infatuation is the clues to Rick's whereabouts. The helicopter people are very intriguing. Oh my God, what is the reclamation team? What's up with the cool uniforms and kick-ass weapons? Why does Isabel from Indiana seem so well-trained? Did this happen before or after the apocalypse? Was she CIA? She said she kept doing her job after civilization ended. So Al kept reporting, Isabel kept flying helicopters, and Grace kept running the nuclear plant. They all kept doing their jobs. How does this factor into the story? What is Ground 17? Why so secretive? What was the payload? Who defines operational security? And in, All excellent questions. And in fact, Amy had more questions in her email, but I thought I'd cut it off there. The point being, I think we got a lot of information in this episode, but we also raised a lot of interesting questions, many of which she outlined right there. Yes. So those are all excellent questions. Uh, all questions that I also had, well, most of them, uh, other ones, uh, were, were good questions that now I want the answers to, but yeah, I think one of the, the points of this episode, other than entertaining us, which they succeeded in doing in this case was to introduce the people that Rick is with. Absolutely. And that's what they've been doing slowly this season. And as I said, I think last week, I think a big part of Fear the Walking Dead this year is going to be doing the legwork of introducing this big new group and leading us into the Rick movies, right? They're, yeah. they're giving us some information here that will enhance our viewing of the Rick movies and probably future episodes of The Walking Dead as well. So yeah. I think that's a big part of it. But Um, the one question I think I can answer that Amy posed is what is ground 17? I think that's probably just Isabel's like call sign because they kept saying ground 17, you know, come in and that's what she responded to. So I don't think she mentioned something like the primary was KIA. 
just killed in action. Right. Is she referring to her friend that we learn about later in the episode, though? I would think so, yes. Yeah. That's what I was assuming. Like, Ground 17 is her team call sign. Kind of a weird call sign for a helicopter, though. It is. I mean, ground, you'd think, would be a ground team, not a, an air team. Helicopter. Maybe they're just, they're fucking with shit. Like, anything they say is ground is an airborne asset. Anything they say is uh, in, in the air is, uh, you know, a dirt thumper. You know, that's an interesting idea. Like, if someone's listening into your communications and you say, ground 17, you might be expecting a truck. But then you get a helicopter and you're like, whoa, that's no truck. I, I assume the communication is encrypted. Like, they're not idiots, right? Well, I mean, coded maybe, but not actually encrypted. Well, yeah, encryption and coded, that's the same thing. Well, I, I guess so, but okay, fine, coded, yeah. But it seems like a pretty easy code to crack if you... Well, they're not just going to be talking over, you know, the citizen band, CB radio. Well, like I don't know. Those handheld radios that uh, everybody else seems to have that you can just listen in as long as you scan the channels, which most handheld radios have a feature to scan channels for talking and then they stop on the talking channel and you can listen in. You know, I suppose our characters would be smart enough to do that and we would have heard these people before. So you might, you might be right. Um, but like, let's, let's run through some of the things we, we learned here in this episode. And, um, it's not all stuff we learned, but just, you know, I, some phrases that I thought even were interesting that sort of give us some, a little bit of insight. So Isabel had lots of stuff to say here that I think opened up the world a little bit to us. Uh, Of course, when she's on the radio with her superiors, um, she's very... She's very, very formal with them, and, um, you know, there's no questioning them. Is there a word for, like, military formality? Yeah, protocol. She used it. Protocol. Okay, fine. Yeah, military protocol. There was a lot of protocol in their their conversations. Yeah, and even radio communication is is heavily protocol-driven, right? Right. Uh, So there's just... There's certain things you say over the radio and certain things you don't, and it all has to do with operational security. And, uh, you know, getting information across because radio can be an unreliable form of communication, right? Uh, there's static, there's interference, there's, uh, distance issues. So when relaying information, you have to use certain, uh, ways of talking, mm-hmm. uh, for, and when I was in the reserves, when I was in basic training, uh, the unit I was with was an artillery unit. So the 49th field regiment artillery, uh, they taught us a very, very minimal of a radio communication, but you never say if you're talking and you want someone to repeat what they just said, you do not use the word repeat because in an artillery context, you use the word repeat. They're just going to start firing on the same location they were firing last time. They're just going to repeat their shots over and over again. You say again, you, that's what you say is uh, if I didn't hear you, I will say, say again. Okay. And then that's the way you do it. So that's part of the, the protocol of radio communication. And the uh, if you're relaying information uh, that is uh, you're like numbers and letters, that's when you use the alphabet. Alpha, Bravo, Charlie, Delta, yeah. Gamma, Echo, Foxtrot. Because hotel doesn't sound like any other letter uh, if, there's, if the communication is garbled. Mm-hmm. You can't, you can't, you can mix uh, Z and B and D and E and, and G and all those letters can be, uh, you know, misheard if the beginning of the letter is, is garbled for some reason. But if you say uh, hotel or zebra, 
you're not going to get that Z confused with B, which is Bravo. Right. Right. So no. that's why you use those. That so all, it, that all makes sense. Yeah. So there's definitely a, a radio protocol that they're using. For sure. But I thought it stood out to, to me in this episode, uh, that they were really, really strict about that. And, um, and she was, <laughs> I mean, for lack of a better word, good at it. Like it, it was clear that this is what they were doing, which to me made me feel like, oh, they're very well organized. They, they have a plan here. This is not their first day. And it just sort of told me something about the organizational structure of this new group, right? That, right. that will probably be important later. Um, and then she had some, some quotes, things like, everything I do is to ensure there's more than stories left after I die, is one of the things she said. So they're very much, it sounds like, working towards keeping people alive or building yep. a community or a civilization that is safe for everyone. Yeah, they're rebuilding civilization or I wonder if they're taking a page from uh, the World War Z novel by Max Brooks. Mm-hmm. How, do you, how do you figure? Well, I don't want to spoil that book, but uh, oh. <laughs> there's uh, a way, like that book is, uh, um, it's kind of a bunch of vignettes of uh, information. Like it's, mm-hmm. uh, it's done, it's taken in uh, like interview form and they talk about uh, the zombie apocalypse overall. Mm-hmm. Uh, so one of the ways they get out of the zombie apocalypse is the military, uh, doing things that safeguard humanity Yep, and they do it in a way that fucks with other people. <laughs> okay. So, which is what, you know, their operational security. Like if you're not, it's, it's a very much an us or them mentality and not, you know, in an, any kind of nation state kind of way. It's just a, uh, we have this group of people and this group of people is now referred to as us. Everybody else is a them mm-hmm. and they're going to be used to safeguard us. Right. Okay. Well, I, I, again, I, I sort of hesitate to bring this up, but since we've talked about the comic a little bit to start this episode, this group of people that Isabel is a part of, to me and to many people out there is pretty obviously a group of people that are from the comic. Uh, you know, after the Whisperer War in the comic, some other things happen, and then they run into this other group, which I won't even name for now, but they do have a name in the comic. And it seems like whoever this group Isabel is from and wherever Rick is, this is in fact the same group from the Walking Dead comics. So uh, there is definitely some information there to go on. Um, but I, I do like how they're introducing them into the show. It seems to be very different than how it was done. Not very different, at least not from a Walking Dead perspective, but from a Fear the Walking Dead perspective, because it's a new show and not you know based on the comic book at all. Uh, right. I think they're doing a good job of of dropping this new group in here and introducing them this way. So um, we'll we'll have to see where it goes, but uh, I'm pretty sure this is where this source comes from, anyways. I see. I think they're all. Uh, uh, I think they're all named Bob. I think they got everybody named Bob, and they saved all the Bobs, uh, and everybody else is. And, and uh, Isabel is faking it. She's uh, actually named Bob. But she's lying about her, her name. That's so random, but hey, why not? Could be the Bobs. <laughs> Come join I, the Bobs. I recently listened to a series of books called The Bobverse, which is actually pretty cool. You should go read it. Okay. Or listen to it on Audible. 
Maybe That's I awesome. will. Maybe I will. Another thing that Isabel said is that we are a force not living for ourselves or for now. Stories are making every day the past. We are the future. So take whatever that means and figure it out. Yep. Uh, we find out later on that she was working with a partner and the partner's name was Beckett. And they were getting supplies, she says, for purifying water. So that may just be what her and her partner were doing, or maybe there's other teams doing that too. But one of the things they do is purify water. So I guess uh, they are in need of water like we all are. Yeah. Well, that it helps. I mean, it's one of the reasons you uh, they, they made beer uh, is because the water is unsafe to drink, but beer sure is. Yeah, that's why I drink so much of it. Because <laughs> <laughs> you know, water's dangerous. Water's dangerous, exactly. <laughs> she had to kill her partner Beckett when he quote unquote cracked after seeing the nuclear zombies. So that drove him crazy and she had to kill him. Uh, and the protocol of their general protocol is to extinguish threats to operational security. So if Beckett became a threat to what they were trying to do, she had to put him down. Right. So she could continue her mission. Yeah. Well, I mean, if your, if your pilot goes crazy, you got to shoot the pilot. Right? Save the aircraft. I guess so, yeah. <laughs> but if you're stuck somewhere and you don't have a pilot, you can't get back on, in the air. Save save the mission. This is exactly what Hal did in uh, 2001 A Space Odyssey. Can I spoil a 1969 movie? I think you can. If anyone's concerned about that, skip ahead, please. Yeah. the uh, Hal uh, decides that the humans are uh, endangering the mission, so he tries to take them out. Right. He does. <laughs> Um, with varying degrees of success. Oh, absolute success. Absolute success? Well, not really. I mean, what's-his-name went through the wormhole and the aliens got him. Uh, the other one was spun off into the end of the, uh, the, the solar system, but they eventually got him back in the uh, 3001 book. Yeah, I read, I've read. i read all four of them. I love the series. Even yeah. 3001 I liked. Yeah, me too. I really liked them. Cool. I mean, uh, Arthur C. Clarke was a fantastic author. He can't he can't write a character to save his life, uh, but because Hal was the most human character in that whole book or movie, well, everybody else was kind of wooden. All his characters tend to be a little bit wooden, and uh, Hal was the most uh, empathetical. And he was a robot, yeah, <laughs> or an AI, I guess. Uh, let's see, Isabel. So you know what I learned from all this is that they prioritize their mission or their operation over everything else, even their own lives, which yep. is uh, pretty impressive. Uh, she said, the place I'm from is bigger than you or me. It's all that matters, which just kind of reinforces that point. You know, their community is the most important thing. And talking about the tape that she's trying to get back from Al, basically the entire episode, she says, if people figure out how to read the maps, it makes them vulnerable. Uh, and they are trying to rebuild what they once had. So whoever this group is that Isabel is a part of is undergoing missions, looking for supplies, purifying water with an ultimate goal of rebuilding society, it sounds like. And they are taking every precaution they can to stay safe, hidden, and in no way be vulnerable. Right. I think that's a lot of information right there. That is a lot of information. So wh why have maps? I guess, you know, if maps are dangerous and they could get into the wrong hands, having maps is dangerous. So why not have everybody memorize where the fuck they're going? 
Well, your mind is pretty unimpressive. I mean, you got to write things down, right? I mean, maps have, people have used maps since the beginning of map making. (laughs) Exactly. But our brains are uh, more logical than that, right? Do you need a map to get to work? You don't need a map because your brain is landmark based. I go here and then I turn here and then I turn here and I go there and then I get there and, and everything works out in the end. So it's just, it's a matter of repetition and, and learning. I mean. Yeah. But I mean, when you're doing a different mission every day or every week, you're not going to the same place every time you need maps. And the maps are, she even said, if people figure out how to read them, we're vulnerable. Like they're encoded too, in some way. So I don't know. I I mean, they have maps, but they're not just, it's like, Hey everyone, here we are. Like, come, come see us. You have to understand what they mean. And that's, I think what a lot of the symbols we've seen mean certainly the three rings. Oh, okay. Well, why paint them on the middle, on the outside of a helicopter that anybody can see and yeah, on her well, uniform. Did you notice they were on the shoulder of the, uh, of the armor as well? I did. I did. It was the same color. So it was subtle. It was subtle. It's kind of weird armor. And I still don't understand the face shield. Did that make sense to you? Um, I mean, just being covered and entirely being, having all but, your body protected. Yeah. Including your eyes. Oh, I got to protect my eyes. From the zombies, so... uh, (laughs) I I guess. I mean, it it was a little strange. I mean, let's be honest. The the face shield was more to hide the identity of the the person to the viewing audience than it was for any practical in-show reason, I think. Yeah, wear a balaclava in that case. Like, put on a ski mask, for crying out loud. At least you can see out of a ski mask. You can't see out of that fucking thing. I mean, you can see through the shield, but I guess it hinders your eyesight a bit. You're right. Well, no, I just, it still didn't make sense because it had ridges on it, right? Mm. Just like the, uh, the rest of her, uh, armor uniform thing, it had ridges on it, which didn't make any sense, first of all. And second of all, I, I still don't understand how she could see with that thing down. Right. Well, I don't know, man. Practice. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I'm going to start practicing, uh, with blindfolds. Right. I'm going to start driving with a blindfold because I know where I'm going. I remember how to get to Jasper's daycare. Oh, bad idea. I don't need to be able to see. No, who cares? Vision is for the weak. (laughs) Uninitiated. That's right. All right. All right. Well, then if we move on to Al, we got a little bit more uh, information about Al too. So we know she's a journalist. Okay. Um, But we found out in this episode that early on in the zombie apocalypse, she lost her brother. And his story on tape is really all that's left. Um, And that's one of the things that drove her to start capturing people's stories because, you know, again, she was a journalist, so that's what she did for a living. But when all you have left is a tape of your brother and you sort of abandoned him, I mean, that's what might, that's sort of what keeps her going, I think, right? It's like, I'm going to capture other people's stories now too. Yeah. So she went a little crazy. Um, a little bit. Yes. A little bit. Uh, I mean, crazy or maybe just obsessive, obsessive. Yeah. OCD really super dedicated to one particular idea. Right. Yeah. But that's okay. Okay. I mean, at least we understand why now. I wish that would happen to me. (laughs) You'd be that dedicated to anything in life? Just focus on something for crying (laughs) out loud. (laughs) Just to be able to like dedicate my life to something. Well, maybe you just haven't found your calling yet. Maybe. Maybe it's hairdressing. You should try hairdressing. Maybe that's what will really get your juices flowing. Everybody would end up with a bowl cut. I've offered this same haircut to many different people. Nobody's taken me up on it yet, but (laughs) I've wanted to give somebody a bowl cut for quite some time. 
So whenever you grow your hair really long and you need to have a cut, you call me. I'll come over with my metal bowl and we'll cut your hair. Hey, that sounds like a good time, man. Yeah. Uh, continuing with Al, we found out that she had to fly her and all her friends into this mountains because all the roads are impassable with people awesome. trying to escape the area. That's one of the traffic jams we saw. So we have an expl- explanation for that now, finally. Yeah, well, there's a nuclear power plant here. No wonder everybody's getting the, getting the hell out of there. Pretty much, yeah, that's that thing, right. If nobody's paying attention to that thing, that thing could go uh, critical. Well, exactly. And it sort of did, right? That Which we know. Yeah. Um, but that's the reason they had to fly in. And I guess the reason they have to fly out. Um, that being said, I guess it's just too far to walk. I mean, people walk have walked from friggin' Virginia to Texas. So yeah, um, I don't think it's, did, did, did Morgan walk the whole way? Well, no, I mean, he had vehicles, right? They he yeah, walked a he bit, drove. drove a bit, of course. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, nobody, well, I, they can do the same thing, right? Drive a bit, walk a bit. There seems to be cars. I mean, if cars are blocking the way, uh, there's got to be cars on either end of that blockage that still are usable. Obviously, if everybody's using vehicles now, the gas is still good. Right. right. I know. It's a bit of a weak explanation in my opinion, but at least it's an explanation that we know kind of why they're stuck there. Um, Maybe they've all run out of shoes. I don't know. They're too far away to walk. They can't drive, yet they're within radio communication of everybody. It's all a little sketchy, in my opinion. I haven't seen a shoe store in this show at all. Like, how are these people still wearing shoes? Well, you know, shoes do wear out, but I guess they're stretching them to their limit right now. You can't take them off the zombies, because they're walking around the whole time. (laughs) They're wearing out their own shoes a lot quicker than you would. Yeah, they don't even lie down at night. And also, Jason, we learn Al's last name. Yes, we did. I don't know what it is, but we learned it. (laughs) That's right. They said it. I'm not so sure I could ever say it. Actually, it's something like Sefcek Pragaki is is how I heard her pronounce it. The closed captioning spelled it, uh, you know, with W's and C's and Z's and stuff like that, because it's (laughs) Polish, two Polish names, actually. Um, And she said she had Polish parents who decided to double up on the names. Or double down. Or double down, excuse me. Yes. Yeah. But we did learn Al's last name, so we got a little bit more about Al's character, I guess, <laughs> or at least her uh, her history. Now, having said all that, I've got an email here from Josh on the internet who writes, holy crap, did you see that information dump? So we know a whole lot about this new group, but at the same time, we still know next to nothing. How'd they do that? <laughs> It will be interesting to see the details unfold or reveal themselves, and if we're dealing with an evil group or just a very scared group. And I'm not sure if Josh meant scared or scary. Like, I guess he could admit, could be either, but uh, is this group going to be scary and dangerous to our group of characters, or are they going to be friendly and welcoming? It's, I'd say it's still up in the air. Well, they do have automatic weapons with uh, zombie spike attachments. That's which, true. Uh, was pretty awesome and I don't think standard. So they invented that after the apocalypse. Uh, yeah, I thought it was a pretty cool weapon to be honest with you. It is. I mean, you know, standard is a bayonet, right? Yes. Just a, you know, pointy thing, which would be very helpful in the zombie apocalypse to have a rifle with a bayonet on it. But she had like this trident bayonet thing that uh, she could pull a lever and it would unsheath, uh, and then sheath back up so that, uh, she doesn't, you know, stick her foot or anything. 
Yeah, pretty pretty sweet, I thought. It is and pretty sweet. Yeah. She she used it a bunch of times in the episode, sometimes just to stab zombies in the face. Other times, like, there was at least one where she stuck it in its head and then, like, wrenched its head off with it, uh-huh. which you couldn't do as easily with, like, a standard bayonet, right? You need the... No, it, heads don't... It's very difficult to get somebody's head to pop off. I know, but... If, in this universe. In that universe, the, the zombie apocalypse universe, it's probably pretty easy. You just kind of stick their, you know, stick something in their head and then twist and it just comes right off. Well, I mean, but a, but a single a uh, spear would go in and just spin around in the hole, right? In a rotted zombie hole. <laughs> you wrench it, you, you wrench the spear up and the, the whole thing would just pop right off. I well, maybe, but I, I'm just trying to say having the two s- s- uh, spikes on the side sort of hook in and then you can tear the head off. So I just think it's a really good weapon, no matter what. Yeah. You know what would be a really good weapon? If you, have you spent a lot of time on YouTube lately? lately? There's this, uh, this Russian slapping guy. They have uh, slap competitions where two guys stand in front what? of each other and slap. Oh I don't God. know. It, it's just stronger. And this one guy, uh, this Russian guy, bear of a man, uh, just seems to like take people down with a slap. And there's one video of him slapping a watermelon like into a billion pieces. It just comes apart. Like the palm uh, of his hand slapped a watermelon? The palm of his hand slapped a watermelon into a million pieces. Uh, that would be a pretty good weapon. He just slapped zombies' heads right off. Slap! Just, it would just fly off. I mean, I could see the edge of your hand, like a karate chop, but the yeah, palm. look it up on YouTube, man. It's pretty crazy. This guy's nuts. He's, uh. Wow. He's, well, he's not nuts. He's very calm about it, but, uh, he'll slap your head clean off. <laughs> sounds like he's an extremely talented slapper. Yeah. I mean, I would, have, you've seen Mike Tyson throw a punch, right? It's like a freight train. Yeah. That's what this guy's like with slaps. Wow. Jeez, man. It's <laughs> yeah. crazy. Well, Jason, I know you've slapped a lot in your life, but you got nothing on that guy. No. Yeah. I, uh, I've slapped a lot of watermelons. <laughs> I I'm bet telling you, you have. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Well, so bottom line is, although we learned a lot in this episode, it really just opened up a whole new group of questions. Uh, but I think that's a good thing. You got to keep the questions coming with the answers, right? Too many questions, too many answers, and you're not doing your job. You got to keep it interesting. Yeah. So let's talk about the rock climbing scene. Um, yeah. I, I didn't mind the rock climbing scene, but I don't think it was my favorite part of the episode. I thought the effects were not very good. No. Well, no, of course not. But, but they don't have on. the budget to do that. It did. Yeah. It, you know, it wasn't it's, good. But like, but I, I, I don't know what it was, but I forgave it. I was like, yep, that's fake. There's a couple of on. scenes where the camera's looking up the wall at the hanging zombie. Yep. And it was just so clearly some sort of weird double shot where they had a, a, an actor hanging on something. They green screened him onto a, a cliff and then shrunk him unnaturally and made him try to make him look farther away. And it just wasn't very good. I'm I'm sorry, Walking Dead, but it wasn't great. But you're right; it didn't bother me too much. But it, boy, did it jump out at me the first time I watched it. Yeah, kind of, kind of annoyed me. Um, but the the whole scene, though, conceptually, I feel like was a little bit of a stretch. I had a hard time buying into the characters' need to even do it. Like seriously, there wasn't an easier way to get up there, even if it was longer walk around. You know go up a couple miles down the road and take the trail, you know? They were on a time constraint, right? They had to get up there and get the fuel 
before the rescue uh, team showed up the next morning. Reclamation team. Reclamation team, whatever it was. They're going to reclaim that helicopter. Basically, uh, it's AAA or CAA here in Canada. Uh, you know, a, a truck shows up with a gas can and fills you up to get to the gas station. Is that all a reclamation team is? A, a, a She's out of gas. That's gas? what they're going to do. A helicopter's going to show up. They're going to land. They're going to say, here's your fucking gas, moron. Next time, check the gauges and then take off. Right. Okay. Uh, well, at least that ex- explains the reclamation team. It still doesn't, to me, really ex- explain why they had to climb the mountain right here. I know they were under a time constraint, but of course they had to go right past the hanging zombie and it just... Well, some... that's the easiest way up, right? Because they found is the it? climbing gear. Did they find the climbing gear in the back of that truck? Or did they have the climbing gear? Because she pulled some gear out of the helicopter, but I'm not sure I remember where the gear came from. I'm pretty sure it, came, it was in the helicopter. She had it okay. in the helicopter. Oh, and then their their truck was destroyed by a rock slide on the way. And they got the climbing gear out of that. And of course, Al's camera as well. So they had the gear and their intention was to climb that thing the whole time. All I'm saying is sometimes it feels like the show struggles a little bit to find new and exciting ways to put characters in danger. Sometimes non-zombie ways or sometimes non-zombie ways coupled with a zombie. And that's what we had here. Just a little bit of a stretch for me. Um, but what are you going to do? It made for a fun yeah. scene. It did. Uh, yeah, the, the special effects were cool. They were not good. You're right. They they were not good. The other thing too is it I couldn't help but feeling a little bit annoyed that Al is now also an expert rock climber, you know? She it's another skill she's kind of magically acquired, just like flying a plane that we've never heard of before. And I guess we don't know everything about these people. We don't know all their skills. You probably have skills that I am unaware of, you know, and just like everybody out there, but when you're watching a TV show, I feel like they need to at least plant seeds instead of just every couple of episodes being like, oh, you know, I can fly a plane or wait a minute, I can climb a sheer rock cliff or, you know, I'm an expert at this or that or the other thing. So it bothered me a little bit, but again, yeah. not too much. I, re- I really can't think of any skills I might have that you don't know about. I mean, you're not a long distance swimmer or <laughs> no, or uh, an expert parachuter. Nope, never, not jumping out of a plane, that's for sure. No, I don't know. I was, for a long time, I was pretty sure that I was going to fall to my death. That's how I was going to die. And I knew that I would never go hang gliding or parachuting or anything like that. I mean, you could just trip over and fall to your death, technically. Yeah, but yeah, no, I'm, no I don't have those skills. All right. I don't well. even have like bow hunting skills or <laughs> nunchuck skills. <laughs> I used to be able to swing a butterfly knife a little bit. Well, that's pretty good. You and Alicia, remember? Yeah. They're illegal in Canada. I don't know where I got one. Well, who My knows? brother had it. I don't know where he got it. There you go. Blame your brother. Uh, all I'm saying is just, I wouldn't be surprised if anytime they really need someone to do something specialized, someone's going to put their hand up and be like, I can do that, you know? Yeah. Uh, and so can Strand. No problem. And so can Strand. So <laughs> all of that put together sort of made the rock climbing stuff my least favorite part of the episode. Um, but at the same time, at least it's something new. We haven't seen it before. And, you know, Al did have to kill a zombie while hanging on a cliff and then jump to the other rope and hook her uh, hook onto it. So, you know, that's kind of exciting. Makes her a bit of a hero. 
Uh, Cindy in Columbus, Ohio writes, did I miss something in regards to the rock climbing walker? Where do you think he came from? How do you think he died? Well, I think he was hanging on the hill and he just died because he couldn't get down. <laughs> uh, yeah. Lack of skill on his part, I guess. Maybe. And, and once they get to the top and they find that other, um, uh, zombie rock climber up there, Isabel mentions that that guy must have left his friend to die hanging on the cliff. So there were two of them and one of them was a jerk. Well, I mean, maybe he was dead already, right? Uh, yeah, maybe he, he was sick when they started. It's like, my God, we got to get up this hill before you die. Mm -hmm. And it didn't work out. And it's like, oh shit, he's dead. Oh, he's going to turn into a zombie in about 13 seconds. I'm not going after him. It doesn't make him a jerk. It makes him a fucking leave the zombie behind guy. Yeah, save yourself. Looking out for yeah. number one. We don't know the circumstances. No, exactly. I think he just the, got- The guy that's on the cliff, they might've had a shootout and the guy that died on the cliff started it. Makes him a jerk. Yeah. So who knows what happened? Lots of things got to happen. Okay. Uh, let's move on here to a call from Eric in Virginia. Hey everybody. Eric in Virginia here calling about Fear the Walking Dead, season five, episode five, the end of everything directed by Michael Stratazemus. Man, did I love this episode. This has got to be, hands down, my favorite episode of Fear since Season 4, Episode 5, Laura, which was also directed by Michael Stratazemus. I was really shocked to see that this episode was written by showrunners Andrew Chambles and Ian Goldberg, as I was convinced that everything that had gone wrong with Season 4 could be laid squarely at their feet, and I was really concerned with their handling of the future of the show. But after the strong start to this season in general, and especially after seeing their writing chops here in this episode in particular, they've definitely earned back my good faith. And uh, I'm really excited to see where they lead us with the rest of this season. And of course, my feedback for this episode couldn't be complete without showering praise on the two actors who carried it all. Maggie Grace, and newcomer Sydney Lemon as Isabel. I really think they knocked it out of the park here. Uh, I liked just about every scene that they did in this episode. Uh, I thought Isabel's character in general was really cool, from her bite-proof suit to her sweet trident attachment at the end of her rifle. But I absolutely loved the scene towards the end of the episode, uh, down by the river, um, especially Isabel's end of everything monologue. I thought the way that she delivered those lines was absolutely fantastic. Uh, like the way her delivery breaks when she says, I hope you get back to your friends and that you can all get home somehow. And when Isabel kissed Al at the end of it all, I really just jumped up out of my seat, pumped my fist in the air and shouted, yeah. Uh, what a great episode. I can't wait to hear everyone else's take and I will catch you next time. All right. Thank you, Eric. So I have a few more emails sort of about the acting and the characters a little bit, but, uh, Eric summed it up pretty nicely there. I agree with him that it was for the most part, really great. Um, Al and Isabel both did really wonderful jobs, uh, or I guess the actresses did wonderful jobs portraying those characters. Um, and I, and I have two examples here 
one of great writing, which I thought, sorry, which I thought was great writing, and one example that I thought was not very good writing. Okay. Uh, just to even things out a little bit here, I'll start with the bad one. Um, at one point, Al has a line where uh, she's, well, she's being faced with uh, Isabel about to kill her early on in the episode. And Al's line is, you might want to watch that before you spray my brains across the ground. And I'm like, people don't talk like that. You don't say, spray my brains across the ground when you have a gun in your face. You say, you might want to watch that tape before you kill me. That's it. And you don't need to in my opinion, embellish or flourish that line. You just to make it, you just need to make it sound real, more simple, more realistic. So I didn't think that was very good. Uh, I don't know. Jumped Sometimes out you just have to embellish. And why say something in, uh, with one word when you can say it with 10? That's the opposite. You, you're not done until <laughs> you've- politicians. T- That's politicians speak. Yeah, you know, well- Why use one word when you can use 10? I'm just saying in the heat of the moment and without- having to plan out the lines you're going to say, no one would ever say, spray my brains across the ground. It just felt like something was written for her. It wasn't, it didn't feel like a character saying something. So it bothered me. Now there's an example at the end of the episode that I thought was amazing. And it's kind of two lines at when they're on the cliff, the two of them and it's nighttime. And Al says, everything is so ugly nowadays right? Referring to basically everything that they see, the zombies, the world, everything, people's attitudes. In the morning, after they're down by the river again, and they burn the tape, uh, uh, Isabel almost executes Al, you know, for protocol. She decides not to, and she says, I got to see the prettiest thing since the end of everything. Not only did it have the title of the episode in it, uh, it was a beautiful sort of... um what do you call it? Like opposite of ugly. She said the prettiest thing, right? So yeah. I'd have kissed her if she said that to me. I'd kiss you if you said that to me. Well, I'm never coming over again, or at least I'm well, never just saying don't say that. that to me. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's my new, that's my new trigger phrase. Sure. Well, I'll let your wife know. Uh, but I, I just thought it was great. It was the two, you know, ugly to pretty and that felt really real to me. So I think they did a fantastic job writing those two scenes. And then of course, Great on-screen kiss. I think these two actors nailed the kiss. It was yeah. perfect. It was beautiful. It was really, really well done. I think Eric said that too. So all kinds of good stuff there. Um, any other thoughts on that stuff? It was pretty good. It was, uh, I, I really enjoyed that. I knew that I kind of felt a weird tension between them uh, throughout the episode, which I thought was uh, masterfully done yeah. from the writing. I don't know uh, how, how to explain it other than I just kind of felt, I wonder if there's some kind of tension going on there where they uh, they like each other and they're wondering if they each like, like the other one back. Right. Uh, and then obviously, you know, it's the zombie apocalypse. If you have any doubts, just kiss them and find out. <laughs> right. You know? Exactly. Don't string it out. Don't hesitate. Just do it. You're, yeah. You need to find out and move on. In the zombie apocalypse, in our universe, you get consent. Oh, yes, of course. Right? Yeah, okay. Well, you know what? Consent's important in the zombie apocalypse, too, but I feel like there was well, some consent is, yeah. here. <laughs> yeah. It was unspoken, but there was consent, obviously. Seems like it. And then, they, you know, passionate kissing, and then they each calmly walk out of the bushes uh, in, the, in the next shot. Go I think there was ways. probably a good 45 minutes between 
the end of one shot and the beginning of the next one. What do you think was happening during that 45 minutes? I don't know, but I was looking for uh, differences in rumpled clothing or maybe people wearing each other's clothes. Hmm. Uh, but I didn't see any of that. But I just, you know, personally, I think there was a, probably a bit of a time lag there. I, I just don't know what you're talking about, Jason. I, why would they change clothes? Well, it happens, you know. Okay. I mean, it's happened to me where, you know, you're... Uh, I was driving uh, home from a, a parade with the pipe band one time and we were all like super sweaty and hot because we were sitting in a bar until close and it was the middle of the night. So we pulled over on the side of the row of road and went skinny dipping in uh, Lake Michigan. And then we realized when we got out of the water that I couldn't tell my fucking shoes from somebody else's shoes. So or my kilt from somebody else's kilt. And we ended <laughs> up uh, going home with pieces of other people's uniforms. We had to do a swap meet the, the next time we did a parade. Well, that's why you always put your name in your kilt, Jason. Or you, you don't just drunkenly take your shit off and leave it on the beach. You put your all your clothes in a pile, put a rock on top of it. Hmm, and then that idea. way you know where your clothes are and that they are your clothes. Just as a brief aside here, I was out with, uh, a long time ago, I was out with a friend of mine for his bachelor party. And uh, we wanted to have a good time and embarrass him a little bit. So we made him wear a shirt, a rather tight fitting shirt that said, I heart cowboys on it. Uh-huh. And then we, then we paraded him around the, you know, city to various establishments. And at one of these establishments, we're standing out on the sidewalk and a woman approached him and said, I really like your shirt. Can I have it? Oh yeah. And he said, sure, but you got to trade me yours. <laughs> I and I just thought that was the appropriate answer at the time because he couldn't go home shirtless. No, you can't do that. No, exactly. Anyways, uh, that's those... like in the pipe end uh, uh, when people ask you, "What do you wear under your your kilt?" The standard answer is, "Give me your hand, I'll show you." Oh, good. Do you want? <laughs> do you want to find out? <laughs> All right. Well, that's enough of that. Uh, those were good times. Um, Matt in Lindenwald, New Jersey, writes. About this episode, I knew it was an Al one, so I almost skipped it. If I have to watch them talk about these goddamn tapes, stories, and the camera in another episode, I might poke my eyes out and rupture my own eardrums. So yeah, that's how I felt about this episode. Hmm. So, uh, you know, Matt didn't like it, and that's fine. He he also started his email to me with a, a long paragraph about hockey. Him and I sometimes talk about hockey, and our two teams oh, yeah. made a trade last week, so... I I almost want to have him on the podcast and talk about that, but you traded each other, like your two teams traded or you each traded different people. No, I'm a supporter of a team. He's a supporter of a team. And those two teams made a player swap. Oh, I see what you mean. I thought you were talking about your hockey team. No, I'm not a hockey team owner, sadly. No, you are part of a hockey team, though. You play in a hockey league, oh, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. But I that, thought maybe you trade players, and no. I was just wondering, do you play in the same league? It's not how that works. Matt's in New Jersey, first of all, and... Uh, <laughs> I was just, hence my confusion. Yeah. But anyways, Matt didn't like this one. Uh, I thought the whole camera and stories stuff was fine, because this time it served a purpose. It, it opened our eyes to something about Al's character and why she does this and stuff like that. So it didn't really bother me like it has in the past. Right. And then Jenna- the, uh, Is the hockey team in New Jersey called the New Jersey Turnpikes? Uh, <laughs> no, but I mean, it probably should be. <laughs> it's 
Good name. It's the New Jersey Devils, but the Devils are in close enough proximity to the New York Rangers and the New York Islanders that there's basically three in New York City. Uh, but nine, none of those three are the team that, that Matt is referring to or that I, the Leafs made the trade with. So all right. it's all very confusing. Any other questions before I move on? No, I'm my mind is clear. Okay, great. Jennifer in Minneapolis wrote in and said, Since the beautiful John Dorian June episode last season, I have been waiting for another good episode of this show. Fear finally delivered tonight. I finally bought buy into Althea's directive to get the story. I finally know why the group needs a plane to get out of the mountains. And there was an amazingly tense few minutes as the two ladies climbed that mountain. And finally, Althea gets a chance to truly connect with someone. The kiss scene was amazing and beautiful and real. It made me cry. And I totally bought their relationship and their reason for parting ways. Now, Al has to find Isabel. So, good. That's all, you know, excellent stuff. It is. Uh, all right. Let's go back to a call here on a similar topic from Lee in St. Catharines. Hey boys, um, this is Lee in St. Catharines, and I got some feedback for the latest episode. Um, so first off, you guys, or Chris, in the last episode you put out, you called it a nitpick picnic. I literally laughed out loud in my office, and everyone looked at me like I was an idiot because I was on a head. I was listening to your podcast on headphones, but I thought that was absolutely hilarious. I guys think you should make that a segment and nitpick away. I think that's awesome. Um, I am having a real hard time with Al. Like, she is... The whole idea of, like, that the story is the most important thing. I'm going to risk everybody's lives, no matter what, broken leg, anything, just to get the story. Just, I kind of get it that you want to record things for future generations and such, but, like, at the risk of what? It's a real weird way of living, but to each his own. And you guys should definitely call the new bad guys three-fifths. You said the three-fifths of the Olympic rings? Call them the three-fifths. I like that name. You guys did an amazing job. Talk to you soon. Bye. All right. Thanks, Lee. So if there's one thing, if there's one goal I have here for the podcast, it's to make you look like an idiot while you're listening to us. <laughs> so mission accomplished there, Lee. There you go. Yeah. We can do it by making you laugh while wearing headphones at the office. Yeah. Even better. Even better. Exactly. Uh, so the, the three-fifths, the, the Olympic, three-fifths of the Olympic rings, with, uh, we're going to call that the uh, 035. Olympic three-fifths. Well, the three-fifths, the three-fifths gang. That doesn't really roll off the tongue very well. Uh, and, and again, I know what this group is called in the comics, but I, do, I just don't want to use that name until it's confirmed. So Is it called the Tri-Rings? No, no, it's not. Uh, but Three circles intertwined? Three-fifths. We'll go with three-fifths, I guess. Even that doesn't roll off the tongue super well, but anyways, it's something. Uh, but just to... Hammer the point one more time, you know, Al getting the story, putting other people at risk to do it doesn't seem to make much sense. And that has been a big criticism I've had. But two things in this episode, one I've already said, one is that this time that plot element was used to reveal something about the character, which is great. But also Al chooses something other than the story in this episode, right? She eventually agrees to surrender yeah. the tape and let Isabel burn it and move on. So she chooses the girl though. So that's a that's a big choice. Well, it's a big an choice. important one and the right one. Absolutely. Uh but the point is she made the call, right? This is the first time Al has done that. She has acted up until this point in pretty selfish, self-serving ways just to get the story and put people in danger because of it. But here she doesn't. 
she makes the other choice. And you could say that she chose love instead, but if you said that, I think you'd probably be referring to her brother on the tape rather than Isabel. Uh, because, you know, she obviously loved her brother. She feels guilty about that. And she, of you know, she wanted that tape to survive more than any. That was of utmost importance to her. So even when Isabel was going to execute her, she said, keep this tape and make sure it survives. It needs to be seen by, you know, future generations. Um, and I think if you were going to talk about, you know, Al's choice over the story, it would be more like, she chose friendship or companionship or life or hope or something like that, right? Over the story, which I think again, just gives us more about Al, makes her a deeper character. And uh, finally, finally, the story was not the most important thing to her. Yeah. Smart choice. I think so. I think so. That's why it didn't bother me so much. Well, and we gives her, gives us a reason to have the two characters uh, look for each other and uh, show up in the movies. Well, exactly. There you go. Isabel's going now back. Now I'm finally looking forward to the movies. Are you? After being pissed off that Rick is not dead. Uh-huh. That uh, now I, I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued by this group and this uh, movie concept uh, seems like an interesting one. I kind of still wish that Rick wasn't a part of it. I'd still watch these movies because they seem, uh, the, the organization seems interesting, but- mm-hmm. I'm still pissed that Rick isn't dead. I'm starting to think that Rick might not be the single entire focus of these movies, right? I I had a hard time imagining what they would be before we knew anything more about this group of people, the three-fifths. But maybe, I'm not going to say Rick will be a peripheral character. There's no way. But maybe he'll sort of be co-protagonist, right? Maybe Isabel will play a big part. Maybe Al will play a big part. Um, at this point, almost anybody, I feel like, especially from Fear, could play a big part in the Rick movies. So, Well, let me ask you this. Yeah. Well, sorry, you, you said so. I started, that, my brain told my, my mouth to talk before you said so. No, it's okay. All I was going to say is, like, Rick, I'm sure, will be an important part of these movies, and they're probably going to be titled something like The Walking Dead, colon, Rick Grimes, colon, Escape, or something like that, you know? Or, you know what you know what it'll <laughs> be? Collins? No, it'll be The Walking it'll Dead, have to have colon. have a colon and a semicolon. It'll be The Walking Dead, colon, The Rick Grimes Stories, or something like that. Episode one, you know? It'll be something like that. But I'm just saying is maybe all of these other characters will play a bigger role in the movies than then it's just following Rick around the whole time, figuring out what he's doing. So that's a good thing. And I look forward to it even more than I did before. Yeah. Or Rick and the walking dead folk. Who knows? You know, why not? (laughs) That's a good name (laughs) for a band actually. But, uh, let me ask you this. Do you think that these movies could result in yet another spinoff television show? Uh, no, I don't. I think they're just going to continue to make spinoff television shows outside of these movies, but I have a feeling that the three movies will serve as a trilogy and they'll come to an end and that'll be it for this trilogy of movies. There might be more movies in the future, but I don't think Rick will continue to be in them if there's more than three. Right. Do you think, uh, what's the timing of these uh, movies compared to the new spinoff television show? Um, well, we don't know the timing of the spinoff you mean like real world timing when they'll be on the air? Yeah. Like, I'm just wondering if, uh, if the movies are going to come out before this new spinoff series starts up. 
I think one of them is for sure. If I'm not mistaken, one of the Rick movies is supposed to be out this year. I find that hard to believe at this point because, you know, we're already into the middle of summer uh, and I don't know of any actual filming having taken place. Uh, but, uh, but it's not impossible. So I don't know. Could it be live? Could they be filming a live movie? They're just planning for <laughs> a, a single shot live movie. <laughs> yeah. Like a play. That'd be amazing actually. Uh, but I don't know. Um, in terms of in universe timing, like they did live shows, but, uh, they did live episodes of sitcoms at some point. Yeah. Right? It was uh, will and grace. I think they did a live show, live episode. Is it uh, the, Will and Grace? I don't know. I don't know. The yeah. other shows have done it too, but um, I was just going to say, I, you know, they moved Morgan and Dwight over to Fear the Walking Dead, I think to probably keep them in the Rick timeline, right? Because they are now six years in the past uh, to, to where the Walking Dead is. So I think the Rick movies are going to start in this time frame and end six years in the future somehow tying back into the main show and tying everything all together. So um, that's the sort of in-universe time frame I'm expecting. The real-world time frame, who knows? That's up for AMC to decide. And you know what? We might get more information about all of this stuff at Comic-Con, which is in a couple of weeks, or maybe a little bit more. San Diego Comic-Con is soon. So we're going to have a trailer for A, Walking Dead Season 10, B, Fear the Walking Dead Season 5B, and you never know about Rick movies or third Walking Dead TV show. There could be, at the very least, some information. Um, and who knows, maybe some footage. That'd be cool. So we're going to have a lot of stuff to recap. <laughs> yeah. In a few weeks. Um, anyhow, uh, I have one more email here uh, from Amy. And this is kind of related to this episode, so I I put it here, but Amy says, I'm going to need for Alicia to die ASAP. (laughs) Might as well just wipe out the whole family, right? (laughs) Well, the Clark family just didn't work out as the protagonists for this show, not even Madison, and I am a fan of Kim Dickens. Building the story around Al, Morgan, Dwight, John, and June works for me. I see all other characters as completely disposable. Alicia must die soon because her character development and motivation is forced and unnecessary. They seem determined to make her the lead character, but her character, backstory, and dare I say acting, just isn't enough to carry the show. John, June, Dwight, Morgan, and Al have more interesting stories and personalities. So I threw that in there because Alicia does show up at the end of this episode when Al reunites with Morgan and her and all the kids, uh, which I thought was a pretty nice way to put a bow on all this, you know? have the stories merge again at the same point. Um, and then, but in a way I do agree with Amy that Alicia doesn't feel all that important to the show anymore. I don't really want the character to die. I've always kind of liked her. And I think Alicia Debnam carries act carries acting has been for the most part, pretty solid, uh, especially early on, right? Especially early on things may be different now, but um, I do much, I do find John and June specifically much more interesting than her at this point. And frankly, after this episode, Al a little bit too. Right. You know, if I, if I wanted to move on from an original character, in my opinion, it would probably be Strand, not Alicia. You could probably lose both of them and not, the, and the show not suffer. 
Well, I, I do sort of agree with that, but had to, you know, pick one, I'd go Strand. Uh, but we'll, we'll have to see. I don't know. Focus on John and June. Everything will be fine then. I don't know. After Well, the last episode we were kind of divided, right? I thought that Strand's uh, character development was important. And I'm kind of, uh, I'm kind of liking Strand at the moment. Mm-hmm. So I'd probably go with Alicia if someone of the original cast had to go. All right. Well, fair enough. Um, but why not both of them? Fuck it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I kind of agree with that. Why not both Focus of them? Focus on John and June. That's what I just said. Yeah. John, June are the best and Al's better now. And you know, Morgan. I don't know. Al still kind of bugs me. No way. Al is better now. Al has a purpose and she has a history now, which I, I like. I'd feel better about the whole character. Morgan is just Morgan. I'm very, I'm actually surprisingly interested in Dwight, even though we've known Dwight for a while. Um, sort of. <laughs> I mean, sort of. I yeah. mean, his character's different now, so. Okay. You know. <laughs> we've known his name for a while. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's got the same facial scars. Yes, he does. <laughs> so, I mean, anyways, but, uh, so this episode, Jason, good episode, and yep. it feels like a, uh, almost like a turning point for the season instead of going through to the mid season finale before wrapping all this up. I feel like they've kind of wrapped up a few things here and now we're going to maybe focus again on, you know, maybe uh, Matt Frewer will come back. We'll get some information about what the hell's going on there. I hope they don't draw out their escape from this mountain range too much longer. No, they'll wrap it up. It's going to be, uh, uh, it's going to be easy. Like they're just going to like be back. They're going to be like, well, we got to get back somehow. Let's go. And then they'll be there. And then they'll be there. I I don't know if I want it to be that easy, but I also don't want it to drag out for, uh, what do we have? Three more? Six, seven, and eight? Yeah. Yep. I have a feeling it probably will go to episode eight, but if they can make no, the rest No, they got to get back together and then they go, they have to go confront Max Headroom. Like they're not going to just drop Max, head, Max Headroom into the beginning of the season and then not show up again until the end of the second half of this, of this season. No, what I'm saying is I think he'll show up again at the end of the first half. I think yeah. we will probably get two more episodes of them figuring out how to get home. And then in episode eight, they confront Max Headroom. So let me get this straight. So they're on different sides of a mountain yep. that has been uh, subject to, all the roads are subject to previous traffic jams so they can't drive from point A to point B. And they went, they came over here to help somebody. And in that time period, they've encountered three working aircraft. That's right. Does that seem a little much? Well, I mean, they they crashed one, strand stole another one, then burned the engines out. And yep. Isabel has a helicopter, which is gone. It seems, to me, it seems a little far-fetched that uh, they've encountered three different aircraft in the time uh, since the beginning of the season. I mean, in, in the amount of time they've spent doing all this stuff, they probably just could have walked. Yeah. I just, we haven't had an aircraft in uh, any episodes, like in the show at all, except for, you know, the other show where Rick takes off, but, uh, you know, aircraft are few and far between and they're supposed to be like, holy shit, not fuck. We need another plane. Well, just go over here. There's one over there. (laughs) Oh, well that one didn't work out. So we got to go to this other place. He has a plane. Let's go take his plane. His plane's on a truck. Damn it. Oh, well she has a helicopter. It's a working helicopter. We got a fuel dump. 
why don't we just use that? Oh, she has to leave. Right. And I have to protect her because she's friggin' awesome. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It just, it's when grouped together like this, my brain is telling me three aircraft. Really? Yeah. It's, it's a little far-fetched. I, I, I would say. And they're going to have to find a fourth if they're going to get back together because they've spent so much time saying that they cannot get to the other side of the mountain any other way than finding an aircraft. That is going to be annoying if suddenly they can just leave and walk there after all this talking about planes and helicopters. You're right. They're going to have to build one. They're going to have to like make one out of parts. Well, they're, they're going to have to find a Eugene first because I think he's the only guy that could do that. Oh yeah. But he's going to put a big radio on it. So that's no good. Like playing music and stuff. <laughs> right. <laughs> Anyways. So good. Anything else about this episode before we wrap things up here, Mr. Miles? Uh, nope. All right. No nitpicks. Nick, no, Nick, I can't. Nitpick, I've, I've had, I used my nitpicks all at the beginning. It wasn't really a nitpick picnic, but it was more of a nitpick snack. <laughs> Nick pick pick. Yeah. All right. Well, good. Uh, next week we have, uh, episode six coming up and it's called the little prince. So you got to figure that book is going to play a, a role Again? or something like that. Wasn't the last one called The Little Prince? No. Featured pretty heavily in that episode. Yeah, but this is the episode titled The Little Prince. That's coming up next week on Fear the Walking Dead. And of course, we will be back next week to talk about that episode as well. And I look forward to it. In the meantime, <laughs> if you want to get in touch with us, you can do so by visiting our website at talkingdeadpodcast.com and clicking on send voicemail at the top. That's a great way to send us a message. You can also record the message into your phone and just send that by email. That is also really good. You can send those emails and any other correspondence to talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com. Find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash talkingdead or Twitter, twitter.com, or sorry, Twitter at talkingdead on Twitter. Twitter, Twitter, Twitter. Can I say Twitter anymore? Uh, Yeah, probably. Twitter. If you would like to support the show, and I very much hope you do, there are two great ways to do that. You can visit our page on Patreon at patreon.com slash the talking dead, where you can make a small monthly pledge uh, that just, you know, is the, as little as a dollar a month or as much as you want. That's a great way to do it. You can also go to talkingdeadpodcast.com slash PayPal to make a one-time donation and all the money we collect goes into all the costs of putting on the show and the time spent here uh, of us doing it. So we very much appreciate everyone who chooses to do that. And uh, we'd just like to say thank you very much to all of you for doing that and to everyone for listening. All right, that is going to do it. We'll be back next week when we talk about the little prince until next time. My name is Chris. My name is Jason. Thanks for listening. Bye.